This is the organic stream. Welcome. If you look at the history of civilization, there is a direct relationship between the decline of soil quality and the decline of those civilizations. All these things came from the earth. We need to go back to the earth. We're not just keeping this stuff out of the landfill and making a product. And that's the attitude you have to take. Every single day, somebody knocks on your door and says, Can I have your waste food? If you collect waste alone, then you will have Hi there, and welcome to the Organic Stream Podcast, episode 30, with me, your host, Aline Murphy, on organicstream.org. In today's episode, our focus shifts from soils and olive growing to look at organics diversion at events, such as festivals, special events and arenas. Our guest today is Leslie Lukash, founder and principal of L2 Environmental, based in California, USA. Leslie has many years of experience in organising and implementing zero-waste policies and organics diversion at many different types of events and venues, and she'll be sharing with us her knowledge and expertise. As I'm sure many of you are aware, Zero-waste events are spreading and gaining in popularity around the world as more and more event organisers start to understand the great benefits and the pressing need to follow the principles of zero-waste in order to become more sustainable and to spread the word to their attendees. Organics diversion plays an essential role in this and in our interview today we will be exploring the work involved in organising, planning and implementing a zero-waste strategy in relation to organics especially. We'll be asking Leslie about working with local composters, sourcing the right type of serviceware, educating staff and the public, the common challenges that often crop up and much more. So it's a great interview ahead and before we start I'd like to thank Ecovio from BASF for making this episode possible. Ecovio is a high-quality and versatile bioplastic made by BASF. Certified compostable and containing bio-based content, the main areas of use are plastic films such as organic waste bags, dual-use bags or agricultural films. Furthermore, compostable packaging solutions such as paper coating and injection moulding products can be produced with Ecovio. For more information, visit their website by clicking on the link in the description below. And now, on to the interview. So Leslie, um, you've had a lot of experience with helping to create zero waste events. Can you tell me what goes into making an event zero waste so our audience can get more of an idea of what it's about and what you do to make this happen? Yeah, what we do is we usually get involved with the event right at the beginning so that we're part of the planning team and we create a plan to get to zero waste and we work with all the different groups that are organizing the event from the event promoter to sponsorship to volunteers um, and then we also order equipment like what type of recycling and composting bins the event will need. We do any training uh, for exhibitors or vendors, uh, food vendors, 
And then um, we set up systems to collect the materials for either recycling, composting, or reuse. And one of the big items that is reuse is the food at the end of an event. So we make sure that we partner with local nonprofits or some type of food banks for homeless shelters so that we make sure that any leftover food goes back out to the community instead of um, the landfill. Right. So there's a lot of factors to it. All right. And just before I press on, um, what are you usually aiming for in terms of diversion rates? Yeah. So um, for us, when we plan a zero waste event, um, our goal is to get a 90 percent diversion rate or better. And so um, the main thing that goes into that is really designing the event to go for zero waste. You just can't go to an event and just recycle and collect materials on the back end. You you really have to plan for your event to be zero waste. Great. And um, you mentioned food recovery as part of what you do at events. And since we're all about organics here, um, can you tell us what generally happens to the rest of the food waste? Is it sent to composting sites or... Uh, yeah, if it's um, so in designing a zero waste event, um, as I mentioned, you have to design for zero waste. So you have to make sure that the materials that you use or the items that are being used and sold at the event are compostable or recyclable. And so when we go to zero waste, we typically have a two bin system, one bin for the recyclables and then one bin for the organics because we made sure all the vendors are using maybe compostable products and we're really minimizing the waste that's that's in the event in the first place. So for the organics, you know, vendors might have used compostable plates and cups and, and um, utensils, and all that gets mixed in with the organic uh, material like the food. And yes, that material goes to a composting site where it uh, gets sent to compost. And you mentioned compostable plastics here, which I wanted to touch on later, but we can focus on it now, actually. Um, we did an episode on the show not too long ago about the standards in compostable plastics and the challenges we face at the moment, as standards do not always represent what composters are dealing with on the ground, particularly in America. So there is problems there. Some composting sites won't actually accept all types of compostable plastics. So it's very important then to check with your composting facility and be careful what plastic you do go for. So there are some challenges and some things to keep in mind here when using compostable plastics. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's confusing for the public because it's a new product out on the market um, in terms of what they're used to seeing. And, you know, it looks and feels like plastic to them as well. And, you know, it's easy for attendees, event attendees to put that material into a recycling bin thinking it's just regular plastic. And then there's also a challenge on the back end if those recyclables are going to a material recovery facility, you know, sorters at a material recovery facility also get confused if it's plastic or compostable. So if we have to use that material, then marketing and messaging is very important. Um, you know, one, one thing we do is have like a green bar around the material um, compostable product that says composting so that it's it's more clear to the public and to the, you know, waste sorters that, that this material is should be composted instead of uh, recycled. Right. And so if you were setting up an event then and the local facility wouldn't accept the compostable plastics you were looking to use, what do you do then? You know, we would actually love to see reuse. You know, the, the compostable products is just another single-use disposable product at the end of the day. And there are some possible benefits to that, but 
the reality is, is it's just another disposable product. And, and we have demonstrated uh, large scale events, you know, maybe 10, 20,000 people where actually we have a reuse system with plates and cups and um, utensils. And it's a deposit based system where when they go to the food vendor, they actually are given a reusable plate and cup in fork um, for deposit. And we've done deposits anywhere from like one um, U.S. dollar to to five U.S. dollars. And when they're done eating, we have these buckets and these uh, stations all around the food service area, and they can just put their plates and cups and buckets there. And we have an attendant who, who will give them the refund back. And if for some reason, you know, they don't put the item back or they take the item, at least we're left with some funding to go replenish the supply of plates and cups and forks. And for some events, like some um, on-site music festivals, like multiple day music festivals, we'll do um, washing stations as well, where um, it's actually a crew. And that's part of, of the service or part of what the event is paying for is that we'll be washing the dishes right on site. Right. That's excellent to hear examples then of utensils being reused or serviceware being reused at events. Yeah. Uh, because we agree as well that it should become more widespread. But now when we talk about events, events can be quite different from each other, especially now when we're talking about festivals, music festivals, arenas, fairs and so on. So that's quite a broad topic. Um, so as someone who has worked with all these different types of events, would the approach be different for each type of event or is there a basic blueprint that you follow for all of them? Um, the Your approach actually changes event to event and it can't even change from the same type of an event uh, because each facility is unique and each area is unique. And so I've set up zero waste programs for, you know, major stadiums, for 60, 70, 80,000 people down to small community festivals like music festivals or cultural festivals and, you know, multiple day festivals. So they're all very unique. Um, If you can control what's being purchased for the event, then it's a lot easier. So let's take a stadium, for example, where people have to buy a ticket to get in and they can only buy the products that are sold in that stadium. And so it's very easy. It's much easier to control, you know, how to recycle and compost if you can control what types of products they're buying. But if it's like a street festival where it's open to the public and that's a lot more difficult because, you know, they could bring in their coffee cup or something that you haven't really planned for that is just destined to the, to the landfill because of what type of product it is, um, you know, like baby diapers or um, so, so sometimes, you know, there's, there's various challenges within each type of an event. So we really have to understand the event to design the correct program. Mm-hmm. So each event is quite unique. And would you say that street festivals then would be the most challenging out of all of the ones you've worked on? Or Yeah, um, I think parades. Are, are, parades are the, actually, I don't, I've never done a zero waste parade. And I've worked with uh, one community who has a famous parade um, called the Rose Parade in Pasadena on New Year's every year. And that is, I just don't know the way to to work with a parade because a parade like that, people spend the night on the streets the night before and, you know, it's, it's a big deal for the community. So, yeah, so those are harder ones. Um, you know, street festivals where, you know, it's open to the public, those provide a little bit more challenges. 
And there's just different behavior at different types of events. Like I've also worked with performing art centers. And the behavior is, you know, you might have your drink or you might bring something into the theater, but you carry it back out with you. Whereas a stadium at a football game, you know, the, the behavior is you just leave whatever you used or consumed right there on the ground. So you have to be aware of different behavior so that you can, again, design the right type of program. Mm-hmm. And as our listeners may be interested now in getting into the same area or in making their event zero waste as well, maybe you can share with us how exactly you go about making an event zero waste. Can you talk me through the first steps? Sure. Um, So first we work with the event organizer and we ask for a list of the types of food vendors that he's going to have so we can understand the number of booths and, you know, the type of food being served and if this um, exhibitor is going to be generating like single use products, like for example, a bag of chips. Um, which is that material that the chips come in isn't recyclable or compostable. So we try and identify problematic products first. And, you know, if the vent does want to go zero waste, they have to take it very seriously because we need everybody's help. And so sometimes what we do is we have the vendors sign an agreement that they are going to use products that are compostable and recyclable and that they're going to, you know, help us with this zero waste program. And with some events, they've even gone so far as putting in the contract language that if you don't support the zero waste program, then you can get fined or you'll get warned. And if they're a repeat offender, then they won't be invited to come back to the event the following year. That's really great. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we start talking about zero waste um, costs are a concern to the event organizer. And one thing that we've done to address costs is uh, look for sponsorship funding. And we've created a whole new type of sponsorship package and we call it, you know, a green sponsorship package or a sustainability sponsorship package. And so, um, you know, on recycling bins or on the marketing material, we're able to say, you know, this company is bringing you the sustainability program or, you know, thank this particular company for their financial support and making zero waste a reality. And so we're able to identify new funds that can help offset some of these costs for an event to invest in either recycling bins or compost bins or anything else that may be an additional cost. I see. So that's a very good idea and definitely gives the event organizers a bit more confidence then, I suppose. And education about zero waste or about organics recycling, I'm sure, features a great deal in your work as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and who exactly you work with? Uh, yeah, there's there's education on all levels for all the different people involved in an event, from working the event to attending the event. So with education prior to the event, I mentioned contracts that we do in vendor agreements. We also attend pre-event meetings and we do presentations where, you know, we're, we're part of the team. So we're educating all the different groups that organize events at the same time. And then if we're going to solicit for volunteers, we do a training the day before with those volunteers and those volunteers may help collect material. We recruit volunteers to save costs for the event and we try and identify something to keep the volunteers, something of value to them. Like for example, if it's a music festival, they would get a day for free. Or if it's a community festival, you know, we would provide them meals or a ticket to get in 
And we do make sure all the volunteers have a t-shirt or something that identifies them as working at the event and being a part of the green team. So we do the training like a day before, and then we also make sure they're trained the day of, because even though it might seem easy just to clean out recycling bins or sort material, we need it to happen in a systematic way so that the event flows properly and that we're, you know, not in anybody's way. So yeah, so, so we make sure they're trained. And then on the public side, we look for any ways to educate the public. And we've done anything from stage announcements to, you know, at stadiums, we might do an, an announcement on the Jumbotron, trying to get inside the program. So if it's a, you know, like a musical or a concert venue that we're in the program itself that talks about the recycling program, we've done banners, signage, and even the bins themselves, they serve as a form of marketing. So yeah, we just do anything we can possible to make sure the public is aware of the recycling procedures. Mm-hmm. And another thing that we do in terms of marketing or education is we partner with a well-known person, either like if it's a music festival or a sporting event where we try and get maybe the, you know, one of the acts to actually do some type of a soundbite or some type of messaging for the recycling program, as well as within a stadium, like using the local heroes to do some type of marketing for us. So yeah, that's a really good way of um, getting the idea across and spreading the message, I'm sure. And um, the other important thing here is establishing a connection with the local composting or AD site as well, because without them, it's very hard to um, recycle anything, I presume. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you involve the local composting sites? Yes. Yeah, we they're usually part of um, designing the program is to identify which composting site can take the materials and who's going to haul those materials. So a lot of communities, the um, contracted hauler for the city um, also does the hauling for organics collection. So we just have to make sure that whoever's hauling the material takes it to the correct facility. And sometimes there's locations where there is no commercial composting. And when that happens, it actually is is a lot more difficult to get to zero waste. So some of the things that we've done is we were in a more rural area for a music festival on private land and the owner allowed us to create a compost pile right there on his property. So we were able to, uh, we brought in a chipper and we were able to chip the compostable products And we were able to create the right mixture with the biodegradable products and the food and create the compost pile right on site. Um, Some other ideas is, you know, contacting local pig farmers or other types of farmers to see if they would be interested in just the pure food waste. And so we've been able to manage it like that. But those are the exceptions. The majority of projects that I work with, it goes to a commercial composting site. Right, that's great. So it's usually not too tricky to manage, which is good to hear. And typically, how big are the changes needed to be made to make an event zero waste in regards to food waste, especially? I'm thinking here about the event organizers, because as you said before, they might be worried about costs. But would they also be worried about structural changes, for example, or anything else? 
Um, well, that's actually where I come in, in, you know, they have so many other things that they're, that they're worried about that, you know, I really try and make it as easier for them and as easy for the event as possible. And, and in terms of budget, you know, many events already have a cleaning budget. They're used to hiring some type of group to do the cleaning. So that's typically the budget that we draw from. So instead of, um, this would be more for like a temporary event, like a, a music event or something, you know, instead of putting the money towards a cleaning company, they would put their money into a zero waste company. And that company would do the same thing. They would make sure the event as clean as possible, but they're also sorting the materials on the back end and making sure they go to recycling and composting. But when I work with like a venue, like a standalone facility that puts on events, then I do the training internally. So I'm actually training how the employees collect and manage the material. I, I don't bring in crew. I use their own crew. And it's all about training and getting that company or that venue up to speed on how to go zero waste. And sometimes it takes years. Sometimes, you know, a sports venue or some type of like a zoo or a theme park, you know, they want to go zero waste. It, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it can take months or years to get to zero waste because you are making changes. And sometimes those changes do take longer to, um, or also like changing the products that you're using or, um, you know, getting rid of other products and finding new products to take care of older products that were just destined to the landfill. So, Right. So it's important to keep perspective and have a bit of patience, I suppose. Yeah. And then in talking to you, I'm aware that there are quite a few things to keep in mind here and things to work on. And I would imagine that depending on the size of the event and the type of the event as well, you would need a certain amount of people to work with or a team to implement the changes. Can you talk me through the difference in terms of the team needed for different sized events? So small, large events, that kind of thing? It always, you know, it always varies and depends on the event. It's hard to just give it a general number. But, you know, when I work with a stadium or a theme park or, you know, some type of tourist attraction, that's just me. It doesn't really require much more. And so in that situation, you know, we might write a plan for the facility. I'll look at their sponsorship and see, you know, what type of funding they can get through sponsorship. And then, you know, I, I usually work with their event manager. Once the facility manager or the facility director approves the program, then I tend to work more with the events manager as well as the facilities manager, the person who's in charge of making sure that facility is clean. And so that's how the changes happen. But if it's a festival in a one-time event in public space and they do want staff, I mean, the more staff, the better. More staff is an increase in, you know, how much it's going to cost. So we'll have to look at volunteers and if there's a good market for volunteers. So it, it really just varies. Uh, one thing I do want to say about volunteers, that if you have anybody who's interested in volunteers, we've seen that about 25 to 50% of the volunteers that sign up do not show up. So if you are planning volunteers, make sure you plan for more volunteers than what you need, because some people have, have very good intentions, but may not be able to actually take off the time. Right. So that's some really valuable advice there then as well. And this leads me into my next question about challenges, because that could be seen as a challenge, I suppose. Um, what are the challenges you face for setting up the system? I think the biggest challenge is change. 
you know, if it's with a facility, like I said, a, a standalone facility or some type of venue, you know, many people aren't as open to change. And so sometimes I find that when I'm talking about all these changes that they might not believe it will happen or that they don't think it can happen or or, you know, if an uh, employee somewhere along the way had already suggested this and they didn't do it, you know, it didn't follow through. So so just really trying to work with the people within the venue and I'm um, just working through that change and making the transition as, as easy as possible for them. You know, what I find when I go into these venues is about 10% love the idea. They support zero waste. They, you know, want to be re- composting and recycling. You know, they already do it at home. And so they are fully supportive of this program and probably about another 80%, you know, don't mind as long as it doesn't infringe in their day or take too much time out of their day, you know, they'll, they'll support it. They'll go along and really only about 10%, you know, are the naysayers, you know, talk about, you know, this can't happen or, you know, they're the ones that have more of an issue with change. So what I try and do is identify those, the top 10% that really support the initiative And I make them leaders internally and I provide them with whatever tools they need to make this program successful. And so it's kind of great when you see that 10% and then the 80% who would, you know, do it if it's easy for them. And so um, that's how we address change is, is, you know, working with those who want it first and then bring the rest along with you kind of. Correct. Yes. And are there any other challenges, maybe logistically speaking or? Um. There's always little logistic things that come up and it's just the nature of events when you're dealing with so many people coming to an area at one time. So I would say just expect for things to happen and to know that it probably won't run smoothly, that there will be things that come up and just being able to think quick on your feet and you know, finding solutions for them that work and maybe something that you did didn't work, but now you have a better start for next year. And so um, one thing that I do is I create a report after the event and part of my report is pros and cons and challenges and solutions. And so we identify things that we can do better because there's always something that you can do better and then identifying solutions so that the next time this event happens, it just gets better and better with time. That's great to hear. But unfortunately now, Leslie, we're running out of time. So for my final question, is there anything you'd like to see happen in the near future in relation to zero waste events or how they're organized? Any changes or? Um, I would just love to see more and more events be zero waste and go zero waste because it's it's actually a lot easier than what they think. I mean, there there are, you know, challenges and items that need to be identified when when planning this, but it's actually a lot easier than you think and and I think it's just such a better sustainable way to manage your events and you have lots of people coming to an event and you have this audience and why not take that opportunity to also educate them on sustainability and, and provide them the tools so that they can be a responsible event goer. And so I just think it's, it's really important to educate the public that they can do this because let's face it, you know, most people go to some type of community events every year. So if we're educating these people, then um, we have a better chance that they do this at home as well. So events have a unique position here to help educate the public and raise awareness. Excellent final words. Well, that's all we have time for today. So um, thank you, Leslie, for coming on the show. It's been very interesting. Okay, great. Thanks so much. All right. See ya. Bye bye. 
That was Leslie Lukash for the Organic Stream podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to us using the options on the page. And if you're using iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact us on our website, organicstream.org, or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is the Orgstream. That's all we have time for this week. Tune in next time for another exciting episode.